For the first time ever in our history, Bankadelic spread its wings and flew (laughs) clear across the Atlantic Ocean to Amsterdam and Money 2020 Europe. In the first of four podcasts that we taped at the event, we have, in cooperation with The Money Pot and Rachel Morrissey, our interview with Michael Strove of Nebus. Learn all about how this company is bridging the worlds of traditional finance, Web3, crypto, and lending. It's all here on Bankadelic. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate, actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. If you're looking to grow your digital banking business, check out Lemonade LXP, the digital growth platform for financial institutions and fintechs. Lemonade LXP has both ingredients you need to drive digital growth, a learning experience platform that uses daily micro-learning to give staff the knowledge and confidence they need to promote and support your digital capabilities, and a digital adoption platform that supports your digital capabilities with technology walkthroughs that you can author in just minutes. So if you're rolling out new technology, merging with or acquiring another FI, or just looking to drive digital banking growth, you gotta drink the lemonade. For more information, check out Lemonade LXP at www.lemonadelxp.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Money Pot at Money 2020. I am Rachel Morrissey, and we are live from The Money 2020 show in Amsterdam. And I am here with Lou Carloza, who runs the Bankadelic podcast. And he's going to be my co-host and my flyer today. And we are also here with Michael Stroh from Nebius, which is a company that is working to bridge the span between cash and crypto, make sure that we can combine TradFi and DeFi in in a really smooth way. So I want to go to Lou first. Uh, Lou, how are you doing? Rachel, thank you so much. And I am doing wonderfully. The jet lag has worn off. I am ready to rock. And to everyone listening, it is just such a privilege to be here in the Money Pop booth and in Europe, a place that I absolutely love and Amsterdam, a place that I love as well. And just looking forward to what happens. And Michael, very much looking forward to learning about you, your journey, and your company. Great to meet you, Lou. Great and very happy to be on board on the show. Oh, so glad to have you. Now, jumping in, and I'm never ashamed to say this on my Bankadelic podcast, I always like to be educated mm-hmm. and hear the perspective of the person I'm interviewing. You have a lot more to teach me than I could ever get at by asking you a question. So help me to understand what your company does Mm -hmm. and what the value proposition is there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So essentially, we're the banking alternative for the Web3 world. Um, What that means is that we bridge cryptocurrencies and traditional finance in a single app. Um, When someone opens up an Ebis account, they get a full-blown dedicated IBAN account allowing them to use Nebis just like they would any traditional bank account, but all of that seamlessly connected to a full 
cryptocurrency ecosystem of products, allowing them to buy, sell, and exchange cryptocurrencies, earn using their, their, their cryptocurrencies, and even get crypto-backed loans. Um, essentially ideal for people who are new to the space, want to enter Web3 and buy cryptocurrencies, right? And, but even better for people who are from the space and want a, let's say, one-stop shop app to move between crypto and fiat seamlessly and with an easy-to-use interface that is very similar to a traditional bank interface or a neo bank interface. Okay, so if that, what you're talking about, it sounds like it's a combination of basically a bank account with a crypto exchange. So to speak, yeah. Well, bank account, crypto exchange, crypto back loans, uh, earning products, and a lot of the, like traditional, let's say, cryptocurrency ecosystem uh, services. So, as you're designing some of these products, are you like, are you more focused on a traditional banking service, or are you more focused on like, like, where would you say your focus is, and what what's the problem you're solving for here for people? Uh, for people, we're solving the problem that we're a one-stop shop. Essentially, right now, let's put it this way. Um, when you try and withdraw money from an exchange today to a traditional bank account in Europe, uh, more than 47% of bank banks block those transactions because it's coming from an exchange. And you'll have to go through a rigorous process of communicating with your bank, telling them where you, where you got the funds, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes some banks simply do not accept transfers from exchanges. So we're essentially trying to completely cancel that by having banking and crypto in a single place and not, let's say, have allowing people not to not need to withdraw their funds to an external traditional bank. Yeah. Just keep, just use Nebus for everything, for crypto and for banking, and that's it. It sounds like you have really taken a positive step forward in addressing the friction and the complications that are involved in this and making it a very direct path that connects the two worlds. Exactly, exactly, exactly. From, from a product perspective, to Rachel, to answer your question, we focus on both worlds, so essentially it's crypto, and traditional banking. Um, crypto is usually very complicated, right? All interfaces that are in the crypto space, especially when you go into decentralized finance, they're very complicated. So we look at that and we try to adapt that to the, let's say, um, mainstream consumer that is used to uh, an application that is more close to, let's say, traditional banking, neo-banking. So we take both sides of the world, both worlds, and combine them in a single application. Now there's a whole nother world, and I heard it Pass in the beginning when you were describing Nebus, a word that fascinates me, Web3. Mm -hmm. I guess that's more of an acronym than it is a word. I don't know. <laughs> Web3 is everything. <laughs> it is everything. And that applies on so many levels. Help me and help the audience to understand what the connection is between what Nebus is doing and Web3. Is it a vehicle for marketing or is it a universe that you see opportunities to help people make this banking crypto connection. What exactly is going on there? So, so, so when I say Web3, it's, it's more, let's say, reference to, to the world, right? It's basically a bridge from, let's say, fiat to the whole world of, of Web3, whatever that is, right? But essentially, it's the connection between crypto and fiat. So we're using it, let's say, to show people that we are the one-stop shop that will allow you to enter the Web3 world easily and at the same time for people who are from the space, if they want to exit the Web3 world, meaning always convert from crypto to fiat or fiat to crypto, they can use us. It's, it's more, let's say, to 
to market ourselves, to position ourselves within the market. Because Web3 is, is everything today. It's blockchain, it's crypto, it's metaverse, it's NFTs, it's real world assets on chain in the future, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, and it's stuff that is still continuously being developed. And there's no one definition for Web3. My definition would be that it's just the global, um, let's say, you, you, before people used to say blockchain, it's, it's blockchain. Now it's Web3 because there are so many other components other than blockchain involved in the space. Okay, so you said before that Nebius had all of these different uh, products that they, they had. So uh, I'm just curious about this because the, the, the world of crypto is uh, undergoing a lot of scrutiny right now, especially uh, on the U.S. side where, we, you know, Lou and I hail from. We know that in Europe um, it's actually gotten some uh, structure around it, but it, even so, we were talking earlier, and you mentioned that that structure is... Is pretty loose and and it allows for certain things, but but the the amount of different regulations regulations country to country are still really uh, burdensome and and difficult to navigate. Uh, nothing is, is is totally clear cut there. Um, it's not well. It is and it isn't because right now. Okay, uh, perfect. It is and it isn't. It, it, it is and it isn't. Yeah, I because love right, that. Yeah, right, right now it's siloed. Essentially, if that's the right word for this, it's basically on a country. It's siloed. Essentially, it's on a country to country basis. So, uh, Spain has its own regulation, right? France has its own regulation with its own license. Germany has its own regulation with its own license. But right now, there's something that's called MICA. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is a cryptocurrency regulatory framework that has been passed into law actually a week ago and will become applicable uh, and active, uh, people say, by Ju June or July 2024. And that's something that's going to supersede all other licenses in Europe and all companies, even ourselves, who are registered with the Bank of Spain are going to have to reapply for the micro-registration and get the European uh, registration, essentially. Wow. And what strikes me as being fascinating about what you're doing and I mean this in the most positive sense that you're kind of building this plane while you're flying it because this is a new world for so many of us it's a new world for consumers it's a new world for people within banking there's a lot of misunderstanding the news with Binance and previously with FTX has scared off a lot of people what would you say for both the company and yourself, the big learnings have been so far. What are you learning about the space that has, and again, in a positive sense, helped you to pivot, to iterate as you go? Hmm. That's a very broad question. We, I think we're continuously learning in the space, right? Um, there are continuously bad actors in the space who obviously have influenced, influenced the market negatively. Um, I think for me, let, let's if I, if I want to pivot that question a little bit in a different direction, if you Absolutely. might. I think for me, generally, education is something that I always talk about right in the space. And I think that education is something for both companies such as us and for consumers, it's, it's very important. Um, education from a regulatory pers perspective for us as companies, education for, from a blockchain perspective for consumers. Um, the biggest blocker to entry into the cryptocurrency space is education for consumers, right? And for companies, companies need a regulatory framework that and rules by which they will be able to, uh, to operate, which is going back to what you said in, about the U.S. In the U.S., that's the biggest issue right now. The SEC hasn't laid out clear rules uh, to, to operate by, and companies such as Coinbase, which, which is, is the, let's say, the, the most regulated company in the U.S., are asking for support and for clarity from the SEC, and they're not providing it. 
Binance, well, Binance is a separate story, but I read the, the letter that they issued yesterday uh, after the SEC sued them, right? The, the news came out um, just literally less than 24 hours ago, and they also said that they were asking for, for clarity from the SEC and they didn't receive it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's, it's education for both a regulatory uh, perspective for companies and for users to learn about the blockchain space center and for companies to pr properly operate within the space. Education, yeah. that's the word. Yeah, exactly. Education regulation, obviously. Mm -hmm. both, <laughs> both, both going hand in hand. So one of the, th that's, a, that's an interesting point. So, uh, you know, you were talking about Binance there, you were talking about the SEC, and you're talking about this, this kind of gap that's mm -hmm. going on between people who are heavy adopters of the crypto space and people and, and their faith in it and versus what are traditional finances, um, maybe skepticism of that space. Mm -hmm. um, and so as you're trying to bridge it, who do you think is the responsible for uh, educating? Like, how can the crypto space contribute to really educating the, those traditional finance spaces and assuring them of the, of the nature of crypto and its safety? Because stability has not been a, a trademark of crypto mm -hmm. yet. And, and it's actually been kind of as volatile as any other piece of the market. So I'm just curious about that. I think it's it's step by step and it's everyone. Everyone is responsible for educating us as a company. We are responsible for educating our, our users and we try and produce as much content as possible in order to educate people on what uh, coins are, what blockchain is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's also, let's say, taking a step back and even like uh, going higher up, uh, it's down to even universities to start creating courses on blockchain and cryptocurrencies and things like this. Um, I know like well, I'm, I'm based in Spain and I've seen in Spain recently that there are new MBA programs that have launched uh, recently in, in multiple universities, MBA with blockchain technologies at heart. Uh, so that, like when I saw that, that's, that's super positive. That means that we're going to be getting specialists that are graduating from universities, from business schools with blockchain knowledge from the beginning, right? And I would even go to, as far as this, to say that this needs to be integrated at, at a, even on a school level to, to, to some degree. Um, I've been recently in contact with my old school, asking them to actually go and, and give a class to, <laughs> to, to, to students there because like, well, not about Nebus, not talking about Nebus, but just talking about blockchain, about crypto, about the wider Web3 world, right? So it's, it's, it's everyone's responsibility. Okay, so if it's everybody's responsibility, like what are you guys seeing? Um, Maybe I'm not saying this as clearly, but what are you guys seeing in the adoption space? Are you seeing the crypto base that you have be a significantly new uh, or younger users? Like who, who are Nebius's customers? It's both people who are new and people who are from the space. As I said, like our core customers are people who are from the space, right? Because we, we have that bridge, crypto, traditional finance, which people who are cryptocurrency investors are looking for. But our app is so easy to use and so seamless that it's great for people who are new to the space. So we, we have people from both sides, uh, basically, of the table that come to see Nebus. Makes me think that when this interview is over, I'm going to have to check the app out and download it myself. De definitely. <laughs> Take it for a test de drive. De definitely. And please please give me feedback and give me nev negative feedback. <laughs> me as a, as, as a product guy, I always appreciate getting all the negative feedback. Because you want that, the complaints. That, yeah, yeah. But no, because that, that's essentially what, what allows me to move forward uh, and make a better product. Right? Well, here's the negative feedback maybe of the conference, but it reflects on me, was that when I was first exploring Bitcoin for U.S. News and World Report, I wrote an article where I interviewed many academics, and the conclusion I reached is, why would anyone want to invest a penny in this? 
This is when Bitcoin was about seven hundred dollars. I think, in my classically trained journalism way, I totally blew that one. <laughs> but who knows? There's many more chances to blow it too. But going back to the point of education, when I think about that, and I think about that first article that I wrote, maybe the one constant has been fear. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying, you know, I would invest in Bitcoin, but every time I turn around, I hear some story about FTX, or I don't know how it works, or I'm afraid I'm going to lose any money. And you can even assume that this is a conversation between you and I, but it could be between you and potential users of the product. How do you address that fear element and get people to calm down? Uh, people need to understand the underlying technology, and it, it's not about the coin. Like, I get uh, like thousands of questions uh, from people. Um, hey, Michael, can you recommend a coin that I should invest in? Mm-hmm. My answer to that is no. Uh, I recommend you to go away, do your own research, right, and come back with me with the question of not what coin you should I should invest in, but what technology, what is the what is the best blockchain technology that uh, today on the market, and, and and why do you think so? Like that would be a cool question, like if, if I got that. Uh, so, but that coin question just shows that people do not understand the underlying technology, mm. and if you do, at that stage, you can really start analyzing the risks. Um, the ups, the downs, the like forecasting, right? And actually figuring out if you're comfortable investing this money. But that being said, it's always an investment, right? Mm-hmm. Any investment, whether it's crypto, stock market or anything can go to zero. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so you, you, like tomorrow you can invest in, in, in the equity of a startup as well, right? You have a lot of equity crowdfunding uh, platforms out there that allow you to invest in startups, even such as ours, right? We're still currently equity crowdfunding on Cedars. Uh, we've raised 1.4 million right now. But if you invest, it's a risk, right? We're a risk uh, because we're still an investment. We're still a startup. We're influenced by the market as well, right? Mm-hmm. So a- anything is a risk. But the uh, underlying, if if I, if I need to say anything, like any any, uh, like the main thought here would be do your own research, essentially, which which is not new. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the dream? What's the dream? Like you, you you're establishing this bridge between traditional finance and crypto. And we're talking about Web3 in the beginning, and we're talking about how everybody is getting educated. I'm assuming that you know, with education, you're, you're thinking there's going to be a lot more mass adoption. So what's the, what's the dream of how this should all look in the end? What, uh, what, what are the hopes? Well, look, we're today at approximately 450 million cryptocurrency users around the world. So the dream would be to onboard to the next 500 million, right, so to speak, 550 million, get, 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 get to a trillion, uh, a trillion users around the world. Um, and so that essentially banks uh, and cryptocurrency apps such as ours coincide together, right, or even mm-hmm. become one. Um, and essentially, I think I'm, I'm a big fan and uh, what's it called? I'm a big fan of blockchain technology generally, right? And I think that's that's where every, everything is going. Everything is going to be tokenized. Everything is going to be put on chain. This year, uh, especially, there's been a lot of talk about real-world assets and tokenization of real-world assets, actual tokenization of securities and things like that, housing, mortgages, tokenization of loans, etc. All of that is going to go on chain, um, and that's essentially going to change the way we interact with finances on a daily basis. Okay, so if we're we're all changed how we've we've 
uh, interacting with finances on a daily basis. Like, what is what is that habitually going to look like? Like, what's what's the difference between going into your banking app and what it what it was it going to feel like to get a mortgage through crypto? Like, what's the process going to be? What what it, what is that going to feel like? Mm. And is there no, a place it's, it's, for it's, traditional it's, it's, finance in all of this? Of course, this? of course, of course. There's, there's always going to be a place. Um, let's put it this way. It's not going to change a lot from a user perspective, really. Mm-hmm. Right? It's more on the technology perspective. It's more for banks that it's going to change. It's for, for, for us and for, for, for the industry that it's going to change. From a user perspective, it's pretty much going to stay the same. Uh, because if I send you money and you receive it, it's the same, it's the same if I do it with a, with a separate transfer or using, uh, let's say, cryptocurrency. The only difference is that, for example, in crypto, um, I can send big sums of money directly from myself uh, cross-border, right? And th- I, c- I can send huge amounts. And mm-hmm. I, I don't need to go through intermediaries and that basically transfer arrives, so to speak, instantaneously. So that, that's going to change, right? But from a daily perspective, on a daily basis, it's not going to do a lot. It's more, let's say, on the technology side, on where, the way where everything is, is moving and where the industry is moving. Yeah, I think about as a crude technology going back some time, and again, a crude technology uh, analogy, but when bank cards were introduced mm-hmm. with chips, and mm-hmm. people are like, well, how does that work? Okay, I'm doing this, and money is moving around in the background from here to there. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it, but it's not always that people need to understand the technology is a fine point that they take advantage mm-hmm. of it and all that it has to offer. And I know that people who are using the blockchain mm-hmm. as a distributed ledger for contracts say that it's incredible, Mm -hmm. that it's ironclad and it's more secure doing it that way Mm -hmm. than it is any way previous that was introduced, that there there are a lot of positives here. Yeah, there are a lot of, I mean, in in other, let's say, let's put it this way, a different use case, how it it might change the way people do things, and it it has, right, for example, Um, especially if we're talking about self-custody, right? So if we're talking about hardware wallets, like I can put all of my money on my hardware wallet today and just walk around with it in my pocket. Um, and I can, let's say, leave uh, one country, fly into another country, and it's still going to be accessible on-chain. And I can switch wallets, and, uh, and, and it's still going to be there on-chain. So I'm not relying on a, on a, on a, on a centralized authority, a bank, uh, who is holding my money, and I don't need to make a transfer. But that's, that's from a DeFi perspective. From mm-hmm. a CeFi, from a centralized, it's, it's gonna be st- the experience is still going to be the same, mm-hmm. so to speak, again. But that, that's a very, let's say, wide question that I can answer in different, to different degrees depending on what products we're talking about <laughs> specifically. Because, for example, on Nebus, we're also thinking right now of integrating uh, the po- opportunity, the possibility for people to actually go self-custody. So we're, we're a custodian. We're giving the possibility to, of, of, of users to actually click, okay, I, I want self-custody of my keys, and we actually give the keys to them, and we, it's their coins. Their keys, their coins. So within a centralized app, within a, let's say, a app that bridges both worlds, you have that option. So that, that's on the roadmap for 2023. And this is a question that maybe is not as critical from the entire perspective of how Nebus operates, but certainly is one that people think about all the time, and I'm sure you guys think about it a lot, is security. Mm-hmm. Because in the crypto world, there are all sorts of stories about people who have had their wallets hijacked or how do I know when something is moving from point A to point B that some bad actor isn't going to get involved. And Mm -hmm. cybersecurity is a big concern in the CFI world. How do you address that? How do you look at that in terms specifically of what you're trying to provide 
So we use our technology ourselves. So everything is built in-house, but and we're cryptocurrency custodians uh, with registered with the Bank of Spain. But at the same time, we utilize uh, BitGo's architecture. Uh, BitGo is one of the largest cryptocurrency custodians in the world, mm -hmm. and we rely on, on their tech. Uh, and they have a lot of, let's say, uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but a lot of things going from MPC to uh, audits uh, in place that are like make us feel confident that our, the funds that are held there are safe. That's fabulous. Um, but but it's it's I mean it's not just a crypto problem, it's, it's an industry-wide problem, right? You have fraud, hacks, uh, everywhere. And technology is definitely something that's always attacked. Um, and for me, technology, I've also said tech needs to be audited. So mm. that's also a framework that needs to be put in place so that companies such as us, such as Binance, such as FTX so in the past, right, could have been audited, right, from a technological perspective. And I know some companies are already out there and doing this. I, th I think that's terrific. I, <laughs> I, I love this concept. I, I think that the going way back to the beginning of our conversation, we're talking about different product lines. You were talking about lending and crypto. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily new. That's, you know, there's a bunch of different uh, companies that have tried that. Mm -hmm. um, some of them have fared pretty well. Some of them have not fared so well um, and have, have run into troubles because of uh well, because of involvement with other exchanges that maybe took them down more than any kind of self-inflicted wound. So I'm, I'm curious about that. Like, what's the popularity of those kinds of products? Especially, like, can you get them, are you guys offering some sort of mortgage on crypto? Are you offering uh, a general lending on crypto, personal finance? Like, what, what are those kinds of ideas that you guys are putting out there for that? Uh, general lending right now, so essentially crypto-backed loans. Uh, you use your crypto as collateral to get a loan either in another cryptocurrency or, or in euros, GBP, or, or dollars. Uh, biggest use case of that is actually investment diversification. Uh, at least that's what we've always seen on Nibis. People get a loan um, to invest in, in more crypto or move that money into fiat and invest into the stock market and things like this. Um, second use case is expenses such, such as mortgages and things like that. So. We don't give, let's say, at this stage, specific tailored tools for mortgages, but we get a tool that can be used, can, can be applied generally, depending on your need. Interesting. Would you ever, uh, are you, do you ever plan to, to specialize that way, or is, is that just, is constantly, that just because? Constantly, <laughs> th constantly thinking about it, actually, because that, like, from a product perspective, I, I, my goal is to allow people to uh, achieve what they want to achieve in fewer steps. So I'm constantly thinking of products that I can put, put, put up and develop that will allow people to do that. So mortgages is one of them, uh, but it's very complicated because that's really on a geography basis. So we would need to start uh, in one place, for example, in Spain, and, th and then scale from there on a country-to-country -country basis, whereas the, the product we have right now is general and it's available for everyone. Mm -hmm. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of want... I think every really healthy startup and business that is trying something new has people behind it. I'm just amazed by their energy, and I love your energy as well. Rachel, you had asked a great question earlier about what is the dream. I think related to that is what do you find the most exciting about doing this work in an entirely new sphere, one that is largely unexplored. What do you love about doing this? What do you find challenging? Uh, very easy. Uh, I, I, I love the complexity of it. Um, when I first, let's say, joined the space, um, it, it, it's complex, as I said, right? Education is, is key. Um, to understand blockchain, crypto, 
it took me at least let's say th- uh, two three books right of reading before I really like uh, said okay um, now I understand so it's that complexity with, with, it, it, that attracts me right and it's also the innovation in the space because it's continuously developing it's continuously moving forward and I truly believe that it's it is the future web 3 is the future we're all gonna be in some way or another involved in the space or using blockchain technologies or maybe in the metaverse, right? Apple just released their, their headset yesterday as well, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> that's going to be fascinating. So how, how's that, how's that going to change our lives? We don't know, right? It's the biggest product released uh, since, since the iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, that might open the doors to the metaverse and being more widely adopted than it is now. So I, I, I'm a truly fan of that and the complexity of the space. Mm. Fabulous. That is really great. And... Uh, I've also heard that Satoshi Nakamoto is wandering the floor, so I promise <laughs> you, back, if I back. see him, I'll let me make an introduction. He's back. Sato- he must Sato- be. Sato- Satoshi in money 2020. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's his home base. What are you talking about? <laughs> of course he's here. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I mean, thank you so much for joining us today. I think that is, it's been wonderful to talk to you. I, I've really, I, I've learned so much because I'd, I've always found that this bridge kind of tricky to try to navigate and how wondered how people were really going to adopt and and have that functionality that, that we need uh, to, to have both. Mm-hmm. And again, I would echo that, Rachel, and just say I was grateful for the chance to learn from you as well. And I mean it when I said I'm going to download the app and explore a little bit more and try to understand better what it's about and educate my listeners on Bankadelic. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you, Rachel. You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. With more than 1.2 million page views annually, Talking Biz News is the go-to source for happenings in business journalism. Whether you're a PR professional, a business journalist, or someone just breaking into the field, TBN is a source that you cannot do without. Whether you're following the Washington Post, New York Times, local media outlets, or some feisty news startup, Talking Biz News has you covered. Job openings are also listed and updated every day on the TBN website. 
Be sure to sign up for your free subscription to the TBN newsletter at Talking Biz News. That's Talking B I Z News. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Ken Montone. Our business consigliere, the one and only Rob Gaynor. Dude, I totally got into the show. Thanks as always to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. Thanks also to Banker Hire, Lemonade LXP, and Talking Biz News, a division of Vested LLC. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn. And if you've got a milkshake, I'm drinking. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.